Second Timothy chapter four and verse six, Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure, my death is close. I've fought the good fight. I finished the race and I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Amen. Let's pray over the word as we receive it. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, thank you for the ability to stand and proclaim it freely and openly. And God, I thank you that it, as it goes forth, it's alive and it's active. You have breathed the breath of life into it. And I thank you, Lord, that we're able to receive uh, in that today. It is life and health to all of our flesh. And Lord, that you would take the, the poverty of my remarks and deliver them by the power of the Holy Spirit to each heart in the way that only you can, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we've been jumping off of these few verses in 2 Timothy for a few weeks now, and it's been such a blessing to me to go through and talk about those that love his appearing, the appearings of Jesus, again, talking about the second coming, but how can you love his second coming without loving him? How can you love him without loving every time he shows up? And if you've walked with him for any length of time, you know that there are times in life where he is extraordinarily visible. He is extraordinarily present. We believe that God is always present with us. He's omnipresent, but there are special times when you can see him, his life, his character, his attitude towards you, his love for you more clearly. And, and that's refreshing, right? Uh, we, we get to see him, who he is and what he does. And I had thought that we would be in this for this, this would be the last week. And then I'd be able to announce, hey, the next thing we're going to do, we're going to go through another book of the Bible. Here it comes. We're ready for it. But as I was ruminating and studying and, and thinking this week, I, I kept being drawn back to what I'm going to share with you today. And I thought, okay, Lord, this is good. You know, sometimes I, he'll deal with me on certain things and I go, okay, uh, I'm sure this is coming up. This is probably going to be part of uh, that book. I'm going to find it in there and I'm going to be able to attach it to it and I'll share it then. But when I sat down to do my notes on what I thought I was going to share this week, uh, which it now looks like I'll end up sharing next week, good Lord willing, I kept coming back to this. I kept writing down notes about this. And what I've learned is to lean into that and, and to go with as, as one pastor said, what's, what's dripping on you? So, I want to share this with you today. Who knows what he'll do between now and next week and then, and then announce to you where we'll be going next in our uh, going through a book of the Bible. But as I was thinking about this, kept carrying this around, in my heart uh, when it relates to when Jesus appears in our life. I was thinking about the times when he shows up that, is, that are just the absolute brightest. And when that is, when that happens is when things are darkest in our life. When we're dealing with dark times, dark circumstances, darkness around us, when Christ is there in those moments, his light shines the brightest. You know, we talk about the other appearance, baptism, 
communion. Last week we talked about the scripture and on and on and on. And those are beautiful and, and they're powerful things in our life. And even with those, even with those things in our life, even with Christ walking with us as our risen Savior in this life, we will experience times or even seasons, which is long, that's a church word for longer time. Season is a church. I'm just in a season of this. That's a church word. Times or seasons of pain, disappointment, trials. That's another church word. And, and, and it can feel like surrounding darkness, right? You can feel like I am enclosed by darkness. And you think, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? I'm a believer, right? I'm blood bought. I'm a part of the church. Why am I experiencing this? Why? And, and some of the answers are, are, are simple. And unfortunately, they're also unavoidable, right? Some of the reasons we deal with those things, some of it's just straight out sin, right? Either sin in our own life, something that we've done or that we've walked in apart from God, or it, it could be the sin of someone else. You could be walking rightly and someone else's sin against you causes a time or, or period of darkness. Plus, we live in a world that is fallen, that is touched by sin and, and the death and the corruption that comes from it. And then there's also powers of darkness. There is a spiritual realm that is real. It's a reality and it's, and it's active. So these are some of the things. Which one is it? Which time? Sometimes it doesn't really matter. It's still dark. If it's your sin, you can repent of it, right? But other than that, the presence of this darkness in life is there. Last week I read to you also out of 2 Timothy where Paul told him, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. All those who want to live a godly life in Christ, which is all of us, that's why we're here. All those who want to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted, will endure persecution, will endure times of this trouble, this, this pain, this darkness. Jesus talking to his disciples, and these are just some passages you can be mindful of. I won't make you turn to them. When, when we're talking about this, to just reinforce this is going to happen. This is going to take place in life. We need to be prepared for it. He told his disciples, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. He told them, they're going to flog you in the synagogue. They're going to beat you up even in the church, is what he told them. He said, you'll be handed over to governors and rulers. You'll be arrested and brought before governors and rulers. Now, that sounds like trials and tribulations. That sounds like problems, difficulty. Again, we don't usually put those on coffee cups or put them on an afghan and hang it on the back of the couch. We want, we're those that wait on the Lord to renew their strength, <laughs> right? But you think about why do we need our strength renewed? Because it gets zapped by things like this. He also told them, that was in Matthew 10, he also told them, he said, I've told you these things, what? That you're going to have trouble in life. I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous or be of good cheer. I have conquered the world. He said, 
I'm telling you this so you'll know in advance so that you don't twist off when bad things happen to you. So you don't lose it and fall apart when things get tough. I'm telling you so you know in advance, you'll remember, wait, 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 Jesus told me about this. He told me that this would happen. What did he say next? He said, and I have overcome the world. He said, I'm telling you so that you'll have peace. If he hadn't told them the truth and then the dark times came, they wouldn't have known peace. They would have just thought he was a liar, right? He said, I'm not going to gloss it over for you. There's going to be tough times in this life, in this world. But I want you to in me know peace. Without him, what, what do we know? When we encounter those times of difficulty and darkness, of pain, legit pain, what, apart from him, what do we feel? We feel distressed, anguish, even, even fear or a hopelessness. That, that, that fear, the emotion, of, is it always going to be like this? Is it always going to be like this? And that grows into one of two things, even, either sorrow, you know, where I just want to go crawl up in the corner and, and get away from everything. I, I'm sorrowful or I'm fighting my way out of the corner with every bit of rage I can muster because I'm so mad that this has happened to me. Right. But he said in me. You'll know peace. And he said, why? 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 Why is this going to give you peace? He said, know that I'm victorious and know that I'm with you. That he's victorious and he's with you. The, the peace comes from knowing that he has conquered the world, that there will be times of difficulty, pain, suffering, encroaching darkness. That's the world. You're going to experience that in this life. But there's peace. Why? Because the world isn't going to last. He is going to last. The world will come to its end. It's redemptive end. And he'll still be there. He will last. He will the difficulty is certain. It's certain. And I want to hammer that today. It is certain. It's going to come. Difficulties, trials, seasons of darkness are going to come. But I want to hammer just as much that just as the darkness is certain, so is he. He is certain. He is established that even though that's going on, and I'm going to try not to even get in specifics because I want you to be able to apply it to whatever you're dealing with in your life or whatever you happen to deal with in your life and not talk about just one thing. And you say, well, I don't deal with that, so it doesn't affect me. No, darkness in this life is certain, but so is the Savior of the world. And we will find him there in it. One of the terms that's long been used, and you may be familiar with it, for, for this type of of period in our life, it can be called the dark night of the soul. You may have heard that. I always thought that was such a good description. When you're going, it's a dark night of the soul. It means it can even be c confined just to your mind, your will, and your emotions. It doesn't even have to be outside of that. It can be just right there. And, and I was, as I was thinking on this today and, and, and re not today, but this week and listening and reading to different things, I, I found a great uh, quote. It's a guy talking and I don't know. He didn't attribute to where he got it from. Uh, just know it's not from me. 
But talking about this dark night of the soul, described it as an experience in which the joys and comforts of spirituality are taken away or not experienced. Because we do have joys and comforts from following Christ. There's joy and comfort that comes from that. And he's saying in the dark night of the soul, when the darkness starts to close in, those comforts and joys that we're used to experiencing, I can't put my hands on them. God, what's different? It, it, you know, it feels like you're always so close. Why does it feel like you're not close right now? It says those are taken away or not experienced and we feel a despair that is like darkness. Again, it can bring a hopelessness. Uh, is it always going to be like this? Am I always going to feel this way? And again, some of these things we walk headfirst into on our own. We did it to ourselves. We made poor decisions, sinful decisions, right? And we walked into it on our own where sin and error causes us to leave the path that Christ has put us on. And then there are times where the path he has put us on to walk are going to pass through dark places. It's just going to because that's what we experience in this world. The path he has us on will pass through dark places. And in this dark night of the soul, there's a peril for us In the hard times, the peril for us is that we'll grow to think that it, we're in there by ourselves. That we're all alone in there. Because again, we don't feel those normal comforts and joys of spirituality. It's a lot more chaotic, isn't it? The peril for us is that we would believe that we're alone in that darkness we're experiencing. And with that comes, man, shame, despair, again, sorrow, rage. You know, and these can come from all kinds of places in our life. Maybe we failed at something, right? Maybe we failed to do right. We knew what right was and we failed to do it. Maybe we suffered rejection. That can pierce us really deep. Hurt, loss. We had something, won't have it anymore. Disappointment. And he said, just general pains of life, hellish difficulties of being a person, right? It's not easy to be a person. But the peril for us is that we'll believe that we're alone in there. You know, I, I see, it hurts me when I see people get hurt either by their own actions, somebody else, the brokenness of the world, whatever the case may be. They get hurt and then they turn from the only thing that can bring them peace and bring them out of the hurt. They push further into it. And we see that it's just like a, it, it's a twisting because that's what can happen when the lights are off. It can be hard to navigate and find our way through. Out of pain, we move further into pain. Out of suffering, we've moved further into suffering. And I, I, I'm seeing it over and over in, in all over the place. In culture, people of all ages, we've got this new word called deconstruction. It's people saying, I was in the faith, but now I'm deconstructing that. I'm taking that apart. 
and many saying, hey, I'm not, I'm not a Christian anymore. I don't, I don't do that anymore. And, and it always comes out of hurt or pain. And man, I'm tired of seeing that. It, and I will say it, I'm tired, like, oh, it hurts me to see that. I'm like, you're turning away from the only hope that you have of moving out of it. Instead, you're turning inward to yourself and going, well, I'm going to be able to figure this out. I'm going to be able to be a better me. I'm going to construct this in such a way. And that is the story of humanity for the longest of time. And it never works. It never, ever works. And that's why we, I wanted to share this today to tell the truth that there will be pain in this life, but it will not and cannot diminish him. It can't and it won't. Don't let it. Don't let the pain of today make him smaller in your eyes. Because in him, the darkness will break. You're going to reach the other side of it. And in, in, in that he remains and he's precious and valuable and he is the answer. And the finish of that quote, the dark night of the soul, an experience in which the joys and comfort of spirituality are taken away and we feel despair that is like darkness. But then wisdom and maturity come when we pass through that darkness in faith, continuing to seek God, even in the absence of the comforts that we have known and enjoyed. And look onward to returning. We seek him and follow him even in the absence of those comforts, even in the absence of it being easy. We continue to seek him and we discover something richer and deeper on the other side that is less dependent on those comforts and more dependent on him. Right. We talked about that a little bit Wednesday night, how we can rely on the stuff that's around God more than God. And what I'm telling you is if they're in those seasons of pain or darkness or difficulty or just trouble, trouble all around, we have to grab hold of him. Holding on to stuff that's around him or stuff that's kind of like him will not do it because all of that stuff could fall away. He's the only thing that won't fall away. And it's not a message of just, hey, get over it. Just get over it. Listen, the pain is valid. The pain is real. Darkness will be a part of this earthly life. You're going to have to walk through it. If you've been in the world, you've seen it. You can't get away from it. It's a part of this world until the whole thing is made new. But what I want you to also know, because we've talked about that the trouble is certain. He is certain. I want you to see his attitude towards us when we're in that situation. Because he is tender hearted towards the struggling. He is tender hearted. He's gracious and patient towards the Bible says the ignorant and the wayward. Aren't you glad for that? He doesn't say he's tender hearted towards, you know, the amazing and the intelligent. No, that he's long suffering and a friend of the ignorant and the wayward. His attitude and his presence toward us when we pass through seasons of darkness in our life. See, we, we assume that it's 
that, that he thinks about it like we would think about it. Like he's not going to want to be in there. Why would you want to be in here? He'll be waiting for me on the other side. He's not here right now, but he's going to be with me on the other side. And look, he is going to be with you on the other side. But we overlook that he's right here in the middle of it with us. He's not waiting for us to work our way out of it. And then he's going to meet up with us when things get better. He is right there with us, not just waiting on the other side of our tough times. He's there and he's not just there a little bit. He's there completely. And we need to know that. We need to know that because we're more likely to believe a lie about him when we're surrounded by that darkness. To think he's not going to help me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. It doesn't matter to him where I am. I should know better by now. I should be better by now. I, I shouldn't be stuck in this right now. And we think about ourselves like that. And I'm just thankful that he doesn't think about us like that. I was watching a show. Some of you have seen it um, called The Chosen. Anybody seen that? Pretty cool little entertaining show. They, they made one um, about the people in the Gospels that followed Jesus. Right. The disciples. And I'm real leery about anything like that when I'm like, it's an entertainment thing uh, because they usually write in extra story that's not in the scripture. OK. And so you just need to know that everything you're going to see in that show isn't in the scripture. Some of it is. Here's what's in the scripture. How might this have played out amongst real people in the real world? And, and I, th I feel like they've done a pretty good job with it as long as you take it in that context. But one of the things that they that they explore in that show is Mary Magdalene. The first episode is Jesus calling her. Remember, because it said she was delivered from how many demons? Seven, right? I mean, seven demons uh, that she was delivered from. You know, you're, you're going to have some effects following you after that. You are even if you're set free completely. There's some stuff going on in your heart and in your mind because you've endured that. You've endured the kind of life that would uh, bring to that point. And, and Jesus breaks those bonds for her in a part of the, the, the way they display it, which is it's, it's real emotional. And she begins to follow him and she begins to learn from him. And then something happens. Darkness encroaches it and, and it. And it it lodges itself in her thought process and she falls back into the life that she came out of. And some of the disciples go and get her. And again, this is extra. This is just the show. This is not here. This is here. This is just how they explored in the show what it would have looked like. But this could be a testimony of anyone. And they go and they find her and she's been in the bar or what their equivalent of it would have been. And she has dishonored herself and you know she's drunk and in the street and she's looking at them and they're like we came to find you you need to come back to Jesus come back to the teacher you need to come back and she's like I can't I can't he fixed me once and I broke again and that that line stood out to me so powerful anybody ever thought that he fixed me. You saved me. You redeemed me. I broke again. 
I came undone again. I came apart again. He's not going to, and, and her attitude was, he's not going to want to see me. He's going to be disappointed in me. He's not going to receive me because I took the gift that he gave me and I dishonored it. I dishonored him. I dishonored myself. I broke again. And we think that Jesus is going to treat us like we would treat us if we showed back up, right? Because we find that in our heart, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here you come. Yeah. Come on now. No, let's talk about it. But I'm so thankful that he doesn't see us the way that we see us. He has so much more grace than you can imagine for you to return. For you to return to closeness with him. Because we, we, we again, we believe, yeah, God is loving. God is good. God is gracious. But he's probably low-key irritated with me. Right? He's probably really, I'm really testing that patience. He's probably like, oh, oh Stephen, oh, again? Right? Why? Because that's, that's how we get. And we think he's altogether like us. But he has so much more grace available to us. I want to show you that in scripture. So if you'll look with me at Psalm 34. And I like for you to see it. I got a couple here as we get close to finishing that I want you to see. Psalm 34. In verse 15, starting in verse 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Which, by the way, if you're in Christ, you are righteous because he is righteous. And his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil to remove all memory of them from the earth. So you have this, the Lord resists the proud, the evil, but gives grace to the humble. And then verse 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. Then look at 18. That's one I want you to see. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. The Lord is near the broken hearted and he saves those crushed in spirit. This is his attitude towards us. He's near us when we're broken hearted and he's able to save those who are crushed in spirit. And again, it was talking about the righteous, the ones that are trying to do right. And in this life, through whatever happened, their hearts have been broken and their spirits have been crushed. And he says, I am close by. And I am listening for their cry. Again, don't believe a lie about him when he's told you the truth, because in that is peace. The truth that he's given us brings us peace. We don't want to believe the lie. And listen, we're liable to do it. When things get bad, we are liable to do it. One of the one of the best writers that I've ever read, reading some of his stuff, my head gets tired. I read a page and my head is tired. C.S. Lewis, great Christian apologist. His wife died tragically of an illness. And he went through a season of pain and grief. And then he wrote about that. And one of the things that he wrote that has always stuck out to me, uh, and, 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 and I try to guard my heart when dealing with those areas of life. He said, what scared me isn't that I would cease to believe in God, but that 
I would begin to believe awful things about him. He said, I didn't think that I would cease to believe in God, but that I would begin to believe dreadful things about him. Why? Because of the pain that he was experiencing. He said, I knew that I could buy into the lie that God wasn't good, that he wasn't for me, that he didn't tell the truth and he wasn't present. He said, I didn't think I was, I, I knew I couldn't get to the point where I would cease to believe in him, but I knew I could get to the point where I would believe terrible things about him. But again, his attitude, Christ's attitude is different than our attitude. He has more gentleness, tenderness, patience for his family than we can fathom. More than we can fathom. And a beautiful appearing of Jesus, because that's what we're talking about. It's his light breaking through the darkness that we find ourselves in, the darkness that he told us about, the troubles that he said would come. He knew we'd be tempted to despair. And he told us so that we would experience the peace of knowing that he's right there in it with us. He's not just the God of the mountaintop. He's the God of the valley. Right. I love that song. He's the God of the mountain. He's the God of the valley. You know, mountaintops bring clarity and vision and we can see clearly. But all the growth takes place in the valley. Not a lot of growth up on the mountaintops. The growth is in the valley. The mountaintops give us that clarity where we can see and we can, it, it gives us the vision to be able to move forward. But we grow in the valley, whether we like it or not. There will be times of darkness in this life. Some of them brief, some of them not so brief. They are certain, they're painful, they're difficult, they're varied, and they're mostly individual. We can be going through it on our own. Everybody else around us be just fine. Mostly individual. Again, it's certain, but hear this. He is just as certain. He is just as guaranteed. He is faithful and he is present even when we don't feel the comforts that we're used to, even when we don't feel the joy that we normally do, we can still have peace of knowing that the comforter himself is close, that he's tenderhearted, that he's close to those who are broken. He's okay with that. He knew we were broken. And he is gentle towards the struggling. See, the appearing of Jesus, and I'm almost done, is a little different between what you'd call the high times and the tough times. Right? High times, everything's going good. Hey, there he is again. Hey, awesome. Hey, ha, ha, look, Jesus, awesome. It's great. And then the tough times, it's a little bit different, isn't it? It's, Lord, there you are. I thought I was in here by myself. I'm so glad that you didn't leave me here by myself. That I can see you even in here, right? It's different when you're feeling alone and you've almost lost your footing and you see him and he shows up and he's present. He was with you the whole time. But his presence, you're aware of it and you can rest in it. And the last scripture I want to share with you, this one's been an encouragement to me many times through the years. It's in the book of Micah, one of the Old Testament prophets, close to the end of the Old Testament, almost, uh, almost to the book of Matthew. Micah 
chapter 7. Micah chapter 7 and verse 8. It says, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will stand up. And though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I must endure the Lord's rage until he champions my cause and establishes justice for me. He will bring me into the light and I will see his salvation. Then my enemy will see and she will be covered with shame. The one who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look at her, my enemy, in triumph at that time. She will be trampled like mud in the streets. Do not rejoice. I, I always knew it in the New King James Version. Do not rejoice over me, mine enemy. Though I fall, I will arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will shine a light upon me. The Lord will shine a light upon me. And say, again, this idea, darkness is certain, but so is his light. And he will shine it upon us. He will enter into those dark spaces. He even mentions here, because I've sinned against him, I must endure his rage. And we know what that's like. But it says, when he champions my cause and establishes justice for me, he's already championed your cause. When he establishes justice for me, he will bring me into the light. Then my enemy will see and your enemy is that, that voice saying, he's not there, he's not good, he doesn't care, you are alone. That's your enemy. And it even says here, my enemy said, where is the Lord your God? You're sitting here in the dark, you're sitting here in trouble. Where is the Lord? He said, I will see my enemy shamed. My enemy that tried to shame me, again, for us, it's those terrifying thoughts that we're by ourselves. That's the enemy. And he says, God will embarrass the enemy in front of you. And how's he going to do that? By proving that the enemy is lying and he's told the truth. Look at verse 11. A day will come for rebuilding your walls. On that day, your boundary will be extended. On that day, people will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, even from Egypt to the Euphrates River and from sea to sea and mountain to mountain. Rebuilding walls. For them, a city without walls would have been seen as completely vulnerable. Right? Nothing to defend itself. You're a city without walls. He said, there will be a time where your walls will be rebuilt, but it's not so you can wall yourself off from the world. Look what happens. When you who were in darkness that he brought out, you who he shined the light on, you who he was close to when you were brokenhearted, he's going to build you back up and then you're a refuge for other people. You're a refuge for others to come to when they're dealing with the same difficulties that you did. And, and, it's, and it's neat to me that the places that he uses, these, these are Gentile places. These are places that they used to look to when they got in trouble. They weren't going to look to God. They would look to Egypt instead. Well, Egypt will help us. He's like, God's going to build you up to the point where Egypt's coming to you. He's going to build you up to the point where Assyria is coming to you. People are coming to you. Why? Because there's going to be something different about the way that you have endured the darkness in life. And it's him. He is the difference. Amen.
Amen. Let's pray together. I just want to seal this and then we'll stand and, and sing together as we close today. Father, thank you. Thank you for your body assembled. Thank you for your truth declared, not from my lips, but from the Savior himself to say that in this life we'll have trouble, that there may be suffering, but that we can take heart, that we can be courageous because he's overcome the world. We know that we'll have to endure some things in this life, but we know that he will outlast them. They will not exhaust him and that he is close to us every day of our life. I pray that our awareness of that will increase. That as we continue to seek you in your word, we'll find you there and you build our faith so that we can see not with our eyes, but, but with the, the eyes of faith. We can see the way that you see. We can see this darkness the way that you see it soon to be defeated. We can see ourselves the way that you see us, that you look on us lovingly and with grace and mercy and you carry in you the power and the ability to bring us through any storm, any trial, any trouble, anything that we deal with. You are there and you are mighty to save. I thank you that as those enemies in our mind and in this world would try to rejoice over us during the times of darkness, we're able to say, even if I fail, even if it was my own fault, I'll get back up because he's with me. And when I sit in darkness, he'll shine a light upon me. He will champion my cause. He will, he will establish justice for me and he's going to build me up so that I can be a refuge for someone else experiencing the same thing. Lord, that when we felt like we're alone, I thank you that we're not, that he is with us. But you've also put us next to a whole lot of brothers and sisters who will walk beside us and help us when we're burdened under that heavy load to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, to point out the goodness that exists in him. I thank you that we won't buy into the lie. We won't try to tear everything apart and push further into the darkness when we feel pain and hurt and disappointment in this life, but we'll bring it to you because you told us we could and you're big enough to tote it. I thank you for your truth that it brings us peace even in, even in troubled times. And Lord, I pray that as we get ready to go today, we leave in peace and unity together with one another. You protect us and keep us safe. God bless your people everywhere that we go, everything that we do, that you go before us and shield our way. God, you're within us. You're on the inside of us working. And I thank you that you even guard behind us as we go. Give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need for today. We look to you as our source and our supply for everything and for all things. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us many things that we can enjoy. And I thank you that as we go through this week, we do so with you in mind and communion with you and with our eyes open for those who would be like a city without walls that we can share your same truth with, the truth that has blessed our heart, that has transformed our mind, that has saved our souls. I thank you, Lord, that you'll have our eyes open for those opportunities because we know that they're there. And I thank you that we'll be bold and courageous for you. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.